Hello again, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 106 of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. It's Victoria Day long weekend here, and I'm happy you were able to spend some time listening to our show. Whether you're listening to it on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or anywhere else. Please make sure you subscribe, share, and get your friends involved with this. Let's build up the community and talk wrestling. On this week's edition, we're going to look back at Money in the Bank, the week that was in WWE with all the news, plus Impact Wrestling as they looked for a new number one contender for Tessa Blanchard, and AEW on their road to Double or Nothing next weekend. I'll be right back after these short messages. Thank you once again for joining me for episode 105 of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, right here on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere else you get your podcast from. But be sure to join me this Thursday on Facebook and on Twitch, where I take over Thursday Night Throwdown and make it a special Scumbags of Wrestling podcast and video show as part of my birthday bash. It's number 44 for me, but we got some news. We're going to do apparently a roast of me, 10 questions with Sean, and I have a very special announcement involving an upcoming t-shirt that you can purchase for charity and help out some good causes. You don't want to miss this reveal of our special uh, new shirt. It has a lot of independent wrestlers from Ontario scene. They've seen it already. They're impressed. They want it. And you will want one too. So that's this Thursday. 8 p.m. on Facebook and on Twitch when you'll normally see Thursday Night Throwdown, the Scumbags of Wrestling are taking over. So until then, have a great week and we'll look into what happens next weekend for AEW's Double or Nothing. Have a great one. Looking at this week's AEW rankings for May 13th, 2020, in the tag team division, at number 5, Private Party at 3-1. and one. At number 4, Jurassic Express, with a record of 2-0. and oh. At number 3, with a 2-2 two and two record, The Young Bucks. At number 2, Best Friends with a 6-3 and three record. And at number 1, with a perfect 5-0, and oh, is The Dark Order. And of course, your champions are Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, with a perfect 6-0. and oh. Looking over at the women, at number 5, with a 3-3 three three record, Rio. At number 4, Yuka Sakasaki, with a 1-1 one one record. Number 3, Dr. Britt Baker, coming in with a 4 wins and 3 losses. At number 2, Chris Statlander, with a 3-3 three three record also. At number 1, with a 7-1 record, the number 1 contender, Hikaru Shida, and your number... And your champion is Nyla Rose with a 5-1 record so far this year. Over at the men's side, at number 5, Darby Allen with a 5-3 record. Number 4 with a perfect 4-0, Brody Lee. Also with 4-0 record, at number 3, Kenny Omega. With a perfect 5-0 record, Lance Storm checks in at number 2. And at number 1, with the 9 and 1 record, Cody, your champion is John Moxley 
with a perfect 10-0 record so far in 2020. And those are your AEW rankings for May 13th, 2020. And all this leads us to our next AEW pay-per-view double or nothing happening from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida next Saturday. That'll be the buy-in featuring Private Party taking on the best friends for a number one contendership to the AEW tag team titles. The main show will have MJF taking on Jungle Boy. Nyla Rose defends her women's championship against the number one contender, Hikaru Shida. Dr. Britt Baker will take on Chris Statlander after what happened this past week in the Fatal 4-Way match. John Moxley will defend his AEW championship against the exalted one, Brody Lee. There'll be a casino ladder match for a future AEW World Championship. Nine competitors in total, but it'll be sort of Royal Rumble style with two people starting, and in different intervals, men will come out until all nine are there. However, the match could end at any time if somebody climbs the ladder and claims the poker chip. So not all nine will have to be a part of this if they don't make it out in time. So far scheduled, you have Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Saban, and Frankie Kazarian with two more names to be done this week. There'll be a stadium stampede match featuring the Inner Circle, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz taking on the Elite, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, and they'll be joined by Broken Matt Hardy. Plus, the finals of the TNT Championship Tournament with Cody, who'll have Arn Anderson and Brandy in his corner, taking on the murder hawk, Lance Archer, accompanied to the ring by Jake the Snake Roberts. Mike Tyson will be on hand to present the TNT Championship belt. And that's happening, as I said, May 23rd, live on pay-per-view. It's Double or Nothing by AEW. Be sure to join myself, Chris Maloney, Chris Jones, and Stephen O'Neill as we break down the card for Double or Nothing this Thursday on Facebook and Twitch, part of TNT Thursday Night Throwdown. Taking a look at last Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which happened on the WWE Network at the Performance Center in Florida and also at the headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. The pre-show, or the kickoff, had Jeff Hardy defeating Cesaro. Then on the main show, we saw the New Day retain their tag team titles over the Forgotten Sons, the Lucha House Party, and Miz and Morrison in a Fatal 4-Way match. We were supposed to see MVP taking on R-Truth, but MVP got saved basically by Bobby Lashley, who wanted to give MVP the day off and take the match himself. And he quickly took care of our truth, getting a decisive win. Bailey, who had Sasha Banks by her side, retained the SmackDown Women's Championship when Tamina was distracted by Sasha Banks, and Bailey scored a clean victory over Tamina. 
Braun Strowman retained his Universal Championship with a clean victory over Bray Wyatt. And just as note, it was Bray Wyatt who was out there wrestling, not The Fiend. And there was a moment where the puppets were out there and even Braun Strowman got his old black sheep mask on and Bray thought that he finally decided to see the light and come home to the flock and the Wyatt family and Braun ripped off his mask, destroyed it, and power slammed Bray to pick up the victory and retain the Universal Championship. Then we had the match I feel was the match of the night with Drew McIntyre retaining his championship, the WWE Championship, over Seth Rollins. There wasn't any interference by Murphy and at the end of the match, Drew shook it, uh, Seth's hand and had respect for him. To a certain extent, it almost seems as though Seth was going to be turning face, but we'll see differently when we see what happens this past Monday on Raw. Then it came down to the Money in the Bank match. Well, in this case, it was both matches, the men's and women's, happening at the same time from the headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. Now, originally they said they were all going to start in the lobby, but that didn't happen. The men started off in the gym, and the women started off in the lobby with Oscar diving from the mezzanine onto the other five ladies who were standing in the lobby. While the guys ended up fighting in the gym, Baron Corbin ended up throwing a weight through the glass mirror and stood there stunned for a while, probably assuming he's going to have seven years of bad luck for a bit. Then Otis ended up putting a large heavy weight onto AJ Styles, and Rey Mysterio just looked at him and kept on going. Somehow, AJ was able to make his way out of that predicament and join the rest of the melee. On Ray's way to joining everybody else, we did see Brother Love was finishing up using the uh, toilet. And later on, we saw an appearance by Doink the Clown as everybody was wrestling and uh, brawling with each other outside the elevators, which Asuka had quickly hopped in and got away from the other women from. At one point, the women ended up making their way into a boardroom where... There was a hanging briefcase there, and Dana Brooke ended up claiming it, and there was a bunch of money in it, and she was thinking she had won the match until Stephanie McMahon showed up and chastised all the women for destroying the uh, boardroom that they, or the planning room, and that that wasn't the correct case, that it's on the roof. And then, I guess, Nia, or, yeah, Nia Jax was on the floor drooling or something uh, according to what Stephanie said and needed to uh, clean that up. AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan ended up uh, fighting their way through a hallway and into an office which turned out to be Vince's. As he turned around in his chair they realized where they were, they stopped, they looked sheepish and Vince just yelled at them to get out. They were about to leave but they decided to go back and fix the chairs and then quietly creep out of uh, the office, and you saw Vince end up using hand sanitizer before returning back to whatever work he was doing. And then Brian and AJ continued with their brawling elsewhere. 
And then we come across Paul Heyman, who looks like he's about to eat the biggest buffet ever in a hallway. And that's when all the competitors seem to collaborate, uh, congregated in that same area. And Otis decides to call for a food fight. So they start with a food fight. Somehow Shayna Baszler ends up grabbing Rey Mysterio and putting her, having putting him in her clutch. And then Nia Jax and Otis end up crashing into Ray and squishing him like a sandwich. He's not on the floor. Everybody gets cleared out. And Nia Jax and Otis look at each other and then go separate ways. Which leads Otis into the cafeteria where he sees a whole bunch of pie. And the floor is being mopped by, turns out it was Bruce Pritchard's real life son, Kane. And then all of a sudden we get a introduction by John Laronitis on his scooter preaching about people power. And he gets a pie in the face by Otis. Dana Brooke ends up coming in, slipping on the floor and really hurting her head. I don't believe we saw her again after that. Not too much longer after that, Lacey, Asuka, and Nia make their way to the roof, and they're fighting very briefly with some ladders, stopping each other from getting up them. Asuka finally ends up climbing up, and that's when Cor Baron Corbin shows up, and he almost tries stopping her for no apparent reason from getting a briefcase. Meanwhile, they could have both gone up and claimed one each, but Asuka sends Corbin down to the mat and she ends up claiming the white case and is declared the winner of the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. All of a sudden the women disappear and we see Otis is there and Black and Ray and AJ. I don't recall seeing Dana O'Brien anymore uh, around there. They all start fighting each other. Otis can't climb the ladder. It breaks under his weight. Baron Corbin throws Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black both over the side of the roof. We'll later find out that it wasn't that too far. It was apparently just six feet uh, and not over to the side and down to the ground. Baron Corbin and AJ Styles start fighting each other on the ladder and Corbin gets hit with a chair, sending him back down to the mat. And AJ can't hold on to the case. He fumbles it and it falls perfectly into the hands of Otis, who is then declared the winner of the Money in the Bank for the men. Honestly, I liked the match. Uh, I think it could have been a little bit longer. Yes, it was almost about a half hour after everything was all said and done. But considering they did both the men's and women's there, and some of the competitors that were in it. I didn't mind the insertion of some of the cameos. The Doink one didn't really make any sense. Because it didn't even look like Doink. It just looked like somebody wearing Doink's face paint and wig. But nothing else stood out. Like it was a skinny guy wearing it. So it was not necessarily. I can see why Heyman and Laronitis and Stephanie and... Brother Love and Vince were all there. But considering some of the competitors that were also in this match, such as uh, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, AJ Styles, and Aleister Black, I would have done a little bit more 
serious moments and some violent ones in a way to balance out the comedy that also happened throughout the match but it definitely has an appeal to it that whoever does do the next video game for them because they're not going to do 2k21 and if they are still with the 2k brand who hopefully 2k22 has certain elements like what we saw at money in the bank what we've seen with the firefly funhouse and even the boneyard match as something special other than just the backstage area that you normally see in video games as far as the matches that happened at the performance center yeah, I didn't get maybe the whole Bobby Lashley and an R-Truth uh, thing. I guess they built on it a bit more on Monday. But honestly, Jeff Hardy in the pre-show, after all the hype that they did to get him back after four weeks of vignettes and stuff like that, to put him on that didn't make too sense either. The matches themselves were really good, I think. Uh yeah if you ignore the fact that they're going against I mean performing in front of nobody they're doing a good job with what they have and upcoming is going to be backlash and that's happening on Sunday June 14th and we'll see what happens uh, going forward from there but that is what happened last Sunday at Money in the Bank Looking at some WWE news, well, he's not necessarily WWE, but Alberto Del Rio was arrested and charged with sexual assault. Now, I'm not going to go into reading the details of it, but if, wow, like I said uh, this week on Thursday Night Throwdown, this guy makes scumbags look good. Like, this guy is very, very dirty, very greasy. We saw... How, what he was like with what went on with him and his relationship with Paige. And thankfully she came out the other side away from him. But yeah, like I said, there's a lot of graphic details involving the whole uh, accusations. And if you want to read more, definitely look up um, NBC uh, News in San Antonio. They go into greater detail, as I said. I just uh, wonder if this is true. What can be done to get this guy some help? Get him his head of his ass? I don't know. Like it, it's as I said, he's he's just really messed up, and so he's facing a lot of charges, probably a lot of jail time. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he gets help. He's turning into almost the male version of Tammy Sitch. And luckily we haven't heard anything bad with her since she got released from jail. So maybe it's a good thing that this is happening. Bad for the victim, but maybe good in the case of his life. WD then also, they announced that there's going to be brand-to-brand invites. Um, both Fox and USA apparently have agreed to having talent go back and forth between the brands. They're not going to do it necessarily with the wild card sort of aspect, but 
yeah, they really need to figure out what they're calling it, how they're doing it. Um, I would just assume with the talent that is available right now that somewhat the brand split is on a pause at the moment and wherever people can be used, they're going to get used. We saw Charlotte uh, this past week almost on all three brands, I think. or She's been traveling between all three brands and she'll be on SmackDown next week. So, yeah, and she's also the NXT Women's Champion. So, she's one that's going to be floating around. Apparently, Baron Corbin is going to go over to Raw. AJ Styles is heading over to SmackDown for the Intercontinental Title Tournament. Wherever they can be used, they're going to get used. Um, somebody who won't get used for the next while will be Sting. As Sting no longer has a contract with WWE, and speculation was that he might show up in AEW, that still could happen, but most people were thinking that he was going to be the one presenting the TNT Championship at the end of the Cody and Lance Archer match at Double or Nothing. However, that has been announced as being Mike Tyson instead, and so where Sting's future lies is still up in the air. He was supposed to be part of Series 7 or something like that for Mattel Toys, but they ended up pulling his figure because of the contract or lack of contract. And, yeah, so we're just going to have to wait and see where Sting ends up. He could very well show up at Double or Nothing next weekend in some other capacity, but he won't be presenting the championship. Another person without a WWE contract now is Rachel Ellering, formerly known as Rachel Evers in WWE, and she posted recently on her Twitter account that she is parting ways with WWE. And then apparently somebody else without a contract, according to Pro Wrestling Sheets, is Drew Gulak. Apparently he no longer has a contract with WWE, it's expired. And this is where it confuses me and brings me to thinking about things that I've heard on Grilling JR, where JR would have at least a book of knowing when people's contracts ended and when to start negotiating to keep them around. Now, unless they purposely want to get rid of some of these guys, which wouldn't surprise me, but it does surprise me at the same time, how do you let somebody's contract just slip away and end? I watched episode number two of The Undertaker's Last Ride, and they said after his WrestleMania match with Roman Reigns, his contract ended up expiring. Clearly, these guys are not under JR's watch anymore uh, for the fact that he's with AEW, but who is in charge of these contracts to not realize that somebody's deal's coming up and they could walk at any time? Like, that's dropping the ball, and in Gulak's case, they've been pushing him with Daniel Bryan, and even this past Friday, he had an awesome match, technically sound like they did at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, and he's now without a deal? Like, I don't get it. So, hopefully they figure this whole situation out, and he is going to stay, or and re-sign 
Rey Mysterio's contract is coming up, and he just started a feud with Seth Rollins this Monday. Now, they haven't really done anything fully with Dominic, and they, whatever they had started with Cain Velasquez, now that has to go out the window. Hopefully he's somewhat enjoyed his 18 months that he's been there. There's been some injury going on, but now he's in this program with Seth Rollins. So hopefully they either give him an extension or he signs what WD's been looking for, a three to five year deal, which effectively would have him finishing his career in WWE at his age, which I believe is about 45. Undertaker recently did a interview with Errol Hawani as part of his promoting for the Last Ride docu series that's on WWE. Episode number two came out today, and they brought up the 2010 UFC 121 confrontation uh, that Undertaker had with Brock after Brock lost to Cain Velasquez. Um, Hawani had seen Taker in the audience, was doing the interview uh, right after. Brock's match unknowingly that Brock was going to come near them and that they were going to call each other out basically and it was just essentially perfect timing for it all to happen and Hawaii didn't know that it was happening that way and the, the hope was that they were going to fight each other at WrestleMania 27 but I guess Dana White got his heels dug in and said no Brock's not going to go. There was some banter between uh, Dana White and Vince McMahon at the time. And, uh, yeah, we had to wait three years. And that's when we saw WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, where Brock Lesnar beat Undertaker, gave him the concussion where he doesn't remember anything. And in exchange, at WrestleMania 27, there was... Triple H against Undertaker. On NXT this week, they announced that they're going to be doing a TakeOver special after all, and that will happen on June 7th. It turned out it was Shawn Michaels, Road Dog, and Triple H making the announcement, and they're going to be calling this one NXT TakeOver in your house. So, I don't know if they're going to do anything special with Gimmick, if they'll bring back the old house set, or what the plan is, because NXT really isn't a nostalgia thing, but the sort of in-your-house thing is nostalgia. So we'll just have to wait and see. I know they're setting up a lot of good programs right now over on NXT that could be used on this special. And once again, that's going to be June 7th NXT TakeOver in your house. Martha Hart was on... This past week's talk is Jericho hyping up the season finale this Tuesday of Dark Side of the Ring, which will be featuring Owen Hart and his tragic fall at Kemper Arena during May 23rd WD pay-per-view over the edge, where he was supposed to go against the Godfather when he was the Blue Blazer. But she talked about other things than that documentary, so there was things uh, left to watch uh, this week. And she talked about the lawsuit with WWE and how excruciating that was. Uh, future merchandise of Owen going to be released probably on Pro Wrestling Tees. 
Um, she'd be okay if New Japan or AEW wanted to honor Owen in any ways, but definitely not do anything with WWE, especially if uh, they want to try and make money off of Owen's uh, memory. Yes, she obviously, for good reason, I guess, uh, has still a huge hate on for Vince McMahon WD, and she doesn't even talk to anybody in the Hart family anymore because of things that happened in that lawsuit, but really put a divide in between everybody in their family. She doesn't have any ill will towards uh, the family, I guess, but she doesn't just really associate with them. She has the Owen Hart uh, Foundation that is a charity that she does in Calgary. Uh, they're, what, I think, about 20 years old-ish now uh, with that establishment. And so she talks about that. She said that in November 2000, uh, they got an $18 million settlement from WWE, and the money was dispersed between Martha, Oge, Athena, Stu, and Helen. And, yeah, she's just ready to open up more so on camera and this podcast than she did, I guess, in her book that she did. And definitely want to advise you to check out Dark Side of the Ring this Tuesday as they finish up with the tragedy of Owen's death. In some news that was kind of controversial this week on TNT, Thursday Night Throwdown, Sami Zayn was stripped of the IC title uh, this week, and he's un- as he's unable to compete at the moment, especially with the coronavirus going on, I believe he is up here in Canada, so he's not necessarily deemed an essential worker, and if he wants to stay healthy, he's not allowed to travel at least not down to Florida or out of uh, Canada at the moment. So, WWE stripped him of the title. Now, the controversy came where a lot of people think that WWE has it out for Sami Zayn and Sami's getting trashed and, you know, oh, poor Sami, he's getting abused and blah, blah, blah. And Chris Maloney fell for it, so did Stephen O'Neill. But as Jimmy Corderas pointed out on his rough and rant, and I pointed out the evening before Jimmy Corderas put it out there. I feel this is just a storyline as the title needs to be used. You can't use the performer that is holding it right now. And in the case of this being a heel performer, you strip him of the title. You bring him back when he's able to. And he instantly has a program with whoever wins the now vacated championship. Now, of course, that's my opinion on the whole thing. And um, as I said, Chris and Steve had their opinions on it. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who knows? You can have your say by contacting me at the Scumbags Wrestling Facebook page and let me know what you think. Are you on the side of Chris and Steven where poor Sammy's getting screwed over? Or, hey, this is an opportunity for storytelling when he's able to come back. In the meantime, SmackDown announced that they're doing a tournament with eight superstars competing to become the new Intercontinental Champion. In the first round, it was Dana Bryan against Drew Gulak, Baron Corbin against Elias, 
Jeff Hardy against Sheamus, AJ Styles taking on Nakamura. And this past week we saw two guys advance. Next week we'll see two more to conclude the first round and eventually get us a new champion, probably in time for Backlash. And my final note in the news section is a congratulations to Seth Rollins and, of course, most importantly, Becky Lynch, as they are expecting their first child together. Uh, We found this out officially on Raw this past week. Now, WWE sort of gave a little bit of news away leading into Money in the Bank, where they said the winner of the women's uh, match was going to be confronted by Becky Lynch. Which, unless they were going to switch some one of the three SmackDown representatives, Lacey, Carmella, or Dana, over to Raw, you knew one of the ladies representing Raw, whether it was Shayna, Asuka, or Nia, were going to be winning the briefcase. Well, in this case, it was Asuka, and Monday Night Raw started off with Becky coming to the ringside, or going to the ring, with the Money in the Bank briefcase in hand, there was a table in the uh, center of the ring. She set that uh, briefcase down, announced that she was going to have to go away for a while and could no longer defend her championship. This is what brought out Asuka, and Becky made it noted that Asuka had not been able to open up her briefcase at all since winning it. And it's because she knew the combination and there was a reason for it as she had approached WD management about doing something different. So she told Asuka that Asuka was not actually competing for the contract. She opened up the briefcase and out fell the Raw Women's Championship. And Becky presented her with the championship, said that she was actually fighting for that, not the Money in the Bank contract. Oscar proceeded to celebrate, dancing all around, got on top of the commentator's table, ended up going back to the ring, and this is where I wonder how much Oscar was told before going out to the ring originally, because Becky then told her to go and be a warrior because she's going to go home and be a mom, and just the look on Oscar's face when that happened It was a genuine moment of surprise and care and excitement. Um, Yeah, there was tears and hugs and everything. And you can only imagine what it would have been like in front of a full audience uh, of a stadium. But in this time that we have, this is what we got. And Becky was able to break the news that she's going to be a mom left the ring and waved goodbye and then got uh, celebrated by everybody backstage. But that was like a genuine moment, which was pretty awesome. So congratulations once again to Seth and Becky. And apparently their child is going to be due around December. So we'll see how much longer after December Becky will be out of action. Um, I know Maria Canellis didn't take too long to get back into shape and wanted to get back out on the road and do some stuff. So can only imagine what Becky Lynch is going to be wanting to do. This week's edition of Impact came from the Skyway Studios in Nashville, Tennessee, and it had uh, Josh Matthews and Madison Rain 
doing commentating together. So still keeping the husband-wife combination going. And the show opened with a video package hyping the first round uh, matches already to determine the number one contender for Tessa Blanchard and the Impact uh, Wrestling Championship. Though that got interrupted by Moose, who demanded that the TNA voice of God uh, promote him. And then they showed a video with a voiceover calling him the only true undisputed champion on the planet. And they went through a video and there's a clip with interviews of former TNA wrestlers, including uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Bobby Roode, Hogan, Bully Ray, Jeff Hardy, and Jeff Jarrett all spliced together to make it look like they're talking highly of Moose and being a great champion that he is. Then we had another first round matchup for the uh, tournament to for number one contendership, and it had Hernandez defeating Madman Fulton, who was accompanied by other members of OVE. Uh, Hernandez uh, hit the top rope uh, splash for the win, and he's moving on into the second round. After the match backstage, OVE were basically battling each other because Fulton was uh, distraught and taking a tantrum over his loss. And Dave Christ ended up uh, making fun of him not being championship material. Jake had to get in between them. And then Crazy Steve showed up and called them all sheep. And now uh, that set up their match with Crazy Steve and Dave uh, Christ going against each other. Joseph P. Ryan came in and was kind of offended by the word crazy. Um... So, yeah, that set up a match for later on in the night. Then we get a promo from Michael Elgin, wondering why he has to compete in this number one contender tournament since he already was the number one contender and Tessa was not able to show up. And he's just ready to send people to the hospital just to prove his point. Kylie Ray defeated Tasha Steeles with a STF for her submission. And then after the match, Susie found uh, Kylie Ray backstage and introduced herself again, forgetting that they had already met the week prior. There was a backstage promo with uh, Rohit Raju. Uh, he's feeling that he shouldn't be overlooked in the tournament, even though management thinks that he is a joke. And he's been there for three years and seen people get their breaks after break, and he's never gotten one, but he's determined to prove that he deserves to be in the tournament by beating Trey later on in the evening. Then we end up seeing Kimberly taking on Havoc, and Nevea was in the uh, seats of the uh, area that they're using in the stands, and it was enough to distract Havoc, and with the referee distracted, Kimberly ended up getting a pair of brass knucks and hitting uh, Havoc with it, and picked up the victory over Havoc. And we're still going to wait to see what happens between Havoc and Nevea. They replayed the vignette from the week before of Kira Hogan. And that uh, she's watched others take try to take control of her and guide her over the years. But she's not going to have any more of that. And says, I'm Kira Hogan and I'm the hottest flame. 
Then they have Locker Room Talk with Madison Rain and Jenny Swinger. Ken Shamrock is the guest, but Ken gets rid of Swinger quickly to go get him water. Madison brings up the fact that he yeah, that Ken has had issues with Moose, Sammy Callahan, and Joey Ryan since returning to Impact. And basically, Shamrock says that those issues are in the past as long as he can get the championship. And that's when Michael Elgin ended up coming in to interrupt the interview. And he hit uh, Ken Shamrock with a chair in the head. And he placed the chair across his face while smashing it with another chair. And Elgin claimed that the championship is mine. As the segment ended. Sammy Callahan cut a promo on his first round opponent, Michael Elgin. And said that they've he's known him his entire career. And that Elgin has always tried to walk in his footsteps. So that will change next week when they go into battle. Then we had another round one matchup with uh, Rohit Raju taking on Trey. Trey picked up the victory with a small package after about 10 minutes or so of uh, the match going on. And Rohit is now out of the tournament and Trey is moving on to the second round. We get another visit to Cody Diener in quarantine, and he says that there's problems with mental health during this time, and uh, he deals with it by going for nature walks and talking to his friends, and we see him saying hello to his neighbor who flips him off, and then we see Cody on the phone talking to a friend where they're cutting a promo on each other, I guess. But they end it with, I love you too, man. Cody then said the hardest part about quarantine is not being able to wrestle and the energy he needs to release to get out of his way. And so we then see Cody doing runs between uh, different tree points and he's doing line dancing in the middle of the road. He's doing some yoga in the woods. And then he says, sometimes you got to wrestle. And we end up seeing him wrestling no one, like his friend Psycho Mike does. And then he battles a tree and a stuffed raptor all before the segment ends. So Cody is still in quarantine on the side of the road in his trailer. And he's even made a t-shirt of it, which you can get on Pro Wrestling Tees. And uh, support him while he's in quarantine. Then we head back to Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga and see the North defending the Tag Team Championships. And Josh Alexander was kind of upset with uh, Ethan for the caliber of talent that they had to go against last week. And so then Iceman ends up introducing two more nerdy-looking jobbers. And George tries to hype them up, but North... uh, Deals the line from Rocky to introduce Paige. And he calls Paige the man of uh, 1,041 million holds. Which Alexander thinks is ridiculous. But Paige says he has more holds than Malenko and Jericho. So then they have their match against the two jobbers. They hit a uh, super kick. And during the match, uh, the canned audience chants... This is awesome and holy shit and impact wrestling. The North hit a couple of uh, double team moves and completely lay out the schmoes 
uh, before picking up the victory. So, just over two minutes uh, this match lasts with the North winning and retaining their titles. Rosemary's still playing with her tarot cards, and it looks like she's talking about Taya Valkyrie and Allie until Johnny Bravo comes in and asks her about the uh, cards and Taya, and Rosemary then realizes that the cards represent Johnny Bravo and gets very angry. There's a segment with Chris Bay and uh, Johnny Swinger and basically sets up a match with Willie Mack uh, and Johnny Swinger later on for next week. The main event of the week saw Moose defeating Suicide by pinfall after about 12 and a half minutes. Uh, so Moose ended up hitting a low blow followed by the no jackhammer needed spear uh, for the win. So he started doing a, I guess, Goldberg thing on that one. But he uh, retains his TNA championship as he feels that he is the rightful champion of Impact. But next week on Impact, we're going to see Willie Mack defending the X Division Championship against Johnny Swinger. Michael Elgin against Sammy Callahan in the first round. Triple XL taking TG, TJP and follow Bra. And Rhino against Ken Shamrock, if Ken Shamrock is cleared for another first-round tournament matchup. And WWE results for this week, starting off with Monday Night Raw this past May 11th. The episode started off with the man becoming the mom, as Becky Lynch announced that she needed to step away, and that Asuka had actually won the Raw Women's Championship when she captured the Money in the Bank briefcase, there wasn't a contract in it. It was actually the title. And then she went on to announce that she's going to be leaving for a while and that she's going to be a mom. Uh, this was a segment that would have done amazing in front of a crowd. It was amazing without one. And just Asuka's look on her face almost seemed very genuine that she didn't know until Becky told her right there in the center of the ring. Then we end up having Bobby Lashley defeating Humberto Carrillo in a no disqualification match. Uh, the week before, Lashley had gotten disqualified in his uh, gauntlet match uh, when he took on Carrillo, so this time they needed to rematch that. Lashley ended up winning with a full Nelson, so he's bringing in that move, much like the Masterpiece did. And then there's been some in-ring arguing or inner-group arguing between Zelina Vega's boys. And we saw Akira Tozawa lose to Angel Garza. And after Garza had picked up the victory, he was looking right at Austin Theory and getting in his face as the two argued uh, some more. And then we also saw Drew McIntyre defeating Andrade in a champion versus champion match. The Iconics ended up returning on a moment of bliss and ended up trying to challenge them for a tag team title shot, but that got denied and just put into a tag team match, which the Iconics picked up the victory over Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. 
There was a six-man tag team match involving R-Truth, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander taking on the team of MVP, Shane Thorne, and Brandon Vink. R-Truth, Ricochet, and Alexander end up picking up the victory, but MVP got the upper hand in the end when Bobby Lashley returned and gave R-Truth a uh, power slam and defeated him. There was a tag team match between Seth Rollins and Murphy going against Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black. Unfortunately, that match got thrown out when Rollins brutally attacked Rey Mysterio and went after his eye. And so the match was thrown out and medical was needed. And we'll have to see what happens beyond this and what the status of Rey's vision is after what happened to him at the hands of Seth Rollins. Earlier in the evening, they had hyped up a 2-1-2 basketball game uh, between the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders. Street Profits actually won the basketball game, if you want to call it that, with a 74-2 victory, and the Viking Raiders had like 19 fouls on them. Um, After the final buzzer, where the Viking Raiders had gotten their only points on, they decided to show off that they were actually playing the Street Profits and know how to play basketball, sinking a lot of long shots and, yeah, just showing that they were faking their lack of basketball knowledge. Shayna Baszler ended up defeating Natalia, and then there was a confrontation that was hyped up all night with Randy Orton against Edge, and they're setting themselves up for a actual match probably happening at backlash between each other instead of the half hour plus uh street fight that we got at wrestlemania over on wednesday night with nxt we end up getting some new tag team champions as imperium defeated matt riddle and timothy thatcher now during this match Riddle accidentally hit Thatcher, and Thatcher decided to walk out on him. And so now Fabian Acher and Marcel Bartel are your tag team champions representing Imperium. Backstage, Riddle and Thatcher ended up coming to blows, and William Regal ended up deeming that Matt Riddle would uh, face Thatcher later on in the evening. Then Tegan Knox defeated Indy Hartwell. Jake Atlas ended up defeating Tony Nese in the NXT Cruiserweight title tournament for Group A. And oddly enough, Tony Nese was 0-3 in this uh, tournament. After an assist from Damian Priest, Cameron Grimes actually picked up a victory over Finn Balor. And it appears that Damien Priest was the one who ended up attacking Finn Balor a couple weeks ago. So we didn't have a long dragged out who did it like we did a couple of years ago. Isaiah Sir Scott was going to take on gentleman Jack Gallagher in the Group B bracket of the NXT Cruiserweight Interim Tournament. 
And before that match could happen, a very frustrated Tony Nese came out and attacked uh, Scott, which left Scott very vulnerable to losing to Jack Gallagher. And Gallagher was able to pick up an easy victory over a wounded Isaiah Scott. Robert Stone came to ringside to watch the next match, which was Kidden Carter taking on Aaliyah. Aaliyah looked like she was about to align herself with Robert Stone and Chelsea Green the week prior, but this time she ended up having to tap out to Kaden Carter's uh, submission. So whether she ends up getting to be a part of Robert Stone's group or not is still up in the air. But Kaden Carter ended up getting a victory over Aaliyah by submission. The main event saw Timothy Thatcher losing to Matt Riddle after uh, Riddle was able to get a pinfall out of nowhere, basically, and stole the win. But after uh, the match, Thatcher was far from done with uh, Matt Riddle and locked him in the Fujiwara armbar and refused to let go while Riddle uh, screamed in agony and the show went off the air for this week. Over on SmackDown this past Friday, it began with the round one of the Intercontinental Title Tournament to declare a new champion and Elias ended up picking up the victory over King Corbin with a quick, a quick roll up. Then we saw Dana Brooke get a second victory over Naomi. So it proved that her victory to get herself into the money in the bank a couple weeks ago was not a fluke. Then Dana Bryan defeated Drew Gulak in a really impressive technical match between the two friends and training partners. And uh, Dana Bryan will also move on to the second round of the tournament. Elias is going to be waiting for the winner of the AJ Styles-Shinsuke Nakamura match, while Dana Bryan is waiting for the winner of the Jeff Hardy and Sheamus match. Both matches will happen next week. SmackDown had started off with a Miz TV segment where Miz and Morrison basically made fun of Otis uh, throughout the whole thing and ended up challenging him to a tag team match. Tucker apparently wasn't available, so Otis had to find himself a tag team partner. Sheamus had laughed in his face, and Mandy had suggested that Otis find Braun and ask him to be a tag team partner. Braun was a little suspicious of it since Otis is now Mr. Money in the Bank, but Otis tried to assure him that everything was on the up and up, and Braun ended up agreeing and becoming Otis' tag team partner. Now, with the match itself, Braun ended up picking up the victory with a power slam, and as they were celebrating, Mandy came out and kind of distracted Braun, Otis put down his uh, briefcase and almost looked like he was about to try and cash in, but Braun looked over his shoulder and noticed him, and Otis played like, oh, oh, just kidding, was joking, not happening, and the three of them celebrated their victory together to end that match. Also earlier in the evening, we saw Charlotte come out and talk about being high demand, being on all the shows, and... She got confronted by Bailey and Sasha, and Sasha 
didn't get to talk too much at all because Bailey kept on trying to interfere on any questions that Charlotte had brought up. And basically Charlotte asked how long Sasha was going to continue being a lackey and a second to Bailey rather than being the dominant woman that she knows she can be. And it looked like Sasha was thinking about it at the same time, which does not make sense at all because if anybody should be a heel, it should be Sasha, not Bailey. And they have to find some way of reversing those roles. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it because the boss is better as a heel. Bailey has not done well as a heel. I don't know where they're going with it, but it did uh, set up next week where Bailey challenged Charlotte to a match. So, looking ahead to the coming events this week, starting on Raw, we're going to see Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defending their tag team titles against the Iconics, and Drew McIntyre is going to go against Baron Corbin. I think it might also be for the championship. Over on NXT on Wednesday, Io Shirai is going to take on Rhea Ripley. Drake Maverick, who's one-on-one, is going to take on Kushida, who's 2-0. and And Helio Del Fantasmo, who is 1-1, is going to take on Akira Tozawa, who is 2-0 in Group B. And so these should be the final matches of the tournament to decide who goes into the final match from Group A and from Group B, unless there ends up being a tiebreaker with either Kushida or Tozawa losing next week. And then over on SmackDown, we're going to see Otis and Mandy team together against Dolph and Sonya. Charlotte's going to take on Bailey in a champion versus champion match. And round one matches of AJ Styles and Nakamura, plus Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, will all be happening next week. This week on AEW Dynamite, there was a lot of setup for Double or Nothing, which is set to happen on Saturday, May 23rd, live on pay-per-view. It was hosted by Alex Caliber, Tony Giovanni, and Jim Ross, and we're once again at Daly's Place. So, the Murder Hawk, Lance Archer came out to the ring with Jake Snake Roberts. They started talking about what they did to Brandy last week and that Brandy wants a apology. And Jake said that she'll get one as soon as she kisses his ass. He basically claimed that the ring was no man's land and that anything goes in the ring when somebody steps in there and that a woman's role and position should be at home cooking and wiping babies butts and he said occasionally women can be there to keep him warm when it's cold outside this promo was very much beyond the mat uh, sort of jake roberts and then we heard uh, cody rhodes american nightmare ford f-150 revving up and came crashing into an area at Daly's place, but he couldn't really go too far. He got out. He was dressed like he was going to go out for dinner, but he eventually made his way into the area, and him and Archer uh, fought each other for a good couple minutes, just brawling with each other until 
Jake ended up stopping Archer and took him away. But at one point, Cody was trying to choke Archer with his own ponytail. So we'll have to see what happens as we get closer to Double or Nothing next weekend. And they decide who will be the first ever TNT champion. There was a video package uh, basically breaking down all the tag teams in AEW as they all want to eventually be the tag team champions. And those titles are currently held by Paige and Omega. Then Jurassic Express, which was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, came out with Marco Stunt to take on the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent, and they had Orange Cassidy with them. It was a good back and forth match between both teams, and at one point, out of nowhere, uh, Phoenix came from the entrance and totally kicked Orange Cassidy's head off his shoulders as they're going to be part of the casino ladder match, uh, which will give the, one of them a number one contendership for the AEW World Championship. But, yeah, he just flew out of nowhere like it was a Mortal Kombat game. Uh, in the end, uh, MJF ended up jumping the ringside barrier and rammed Jungle Boy face first into the steel post. Chuck Taylor ended up spiking Jungle Boy uh, with an awful waffle and picked up the three count. Of course, MJF is set to go against Jungle Boy at double or nothing as well, so this gave them a chance on that. Wardlow appeared and took out Marco Stunt, and later on MJF announced that he signed an open contract to face Marco next week on Dynamite. Alex Marvez tried to get an interview with AEW champion John Moxley as he was entering the arena, but Moxley wanted nothing to do with it because his focus is trying to get back his championship belt from the exalted one, Brody Lee. Then we had a fail four-way match uh, featuring Superbad Penelope Ford, and Superbad Kip Sabian was at ringside with her against the number two ranked uh, Galaxy's Greatest Alien, Chris Statlander, the number th four ranked Britt Baker, and the 11 week straight number one contender, Hikura Shida. Now, these leads went back and forth all over the place. There was some uh, double team maneuvers going on. Um, the ending came when Shida end up uh, defeating Penelope Ford, but outside on the uh, floor was Dr. Britt Baker with a glove on her hand and applied the mandible claw to Chris Statlander. So this victory cemented the fact that Sheeta will now challenge Nyla Rose for the Women's Championship, and they confronted each other backstage with Nyla hitting Sheeta with a kendo stick, but it was also announced that Statlander and Baker will go against each other at double or nothing. Tenny Omega and Matt Hardy teamed up once again. This time they took on Inner Circle members Santana and Ortiz, and Hardy and Omega were able to pick up the victory this time. Sammy Guevara had even come out during the match with a neck brace on, selling the fact that he was run over 
the week before with the golf cart, and he ended up getting hit with a twist of fate by Matt Hardy. Taz then interviewed Darby Allen and was still trying to explain why he lost to Cody in the tournament and how he lost, and Darby just reminded him, though, that he used to wrestle amateur uh, style and knew exactly what happened and stormed off and walked away from Taz. I'm not sure where they're going with this, whether they're bringing in somebody to be represented by Taz to go against Darby, because Darby's not going to accept Taz as his mentor. I'm not sure where it goes from here, but we'll have to see what goes on over the next few weeks. Then Lexi interviewed uh, Sheeta, and as I said, that's when Nyla Rose um, attacked her with a kendo stick. MJF defeated Jason, uh, Lee Johnson in very quick form, and that's where he announced that he's going to go against Marco Stunt next week. And we had Pineapple Pete, or Should D, Sugar Dunkerman, taking on... Le Champion Chris Jericho and Jericho had all the members of the inner circle with him. I guess Pineapple Pete could have done a little bit better for himself. He's a 16 year veteran, but he was against Chris Jericho and unfortunately did lose against Jericho. But he got a t shirt of the deal and has had some hype over the last little while during this pandemic phase of AEW and getting to appear with them so he should be able to be there longer and we'll see what happens from there but Chris Jericho and the inner circle got into the ring and laid out a challenge to Matt Hardy and the members of the elite to do a stadium stampede match at double or nothing and then Vanguard one came and accepted the challenge on behalf of Matt Hardy and the Elite. And that's when, unfortunately, Jericho ended up taking out Vanguard 1 with a bat that he had named Floyd. Floyd the baseball bat took out Vanguard 1. So we kind of saw a death, a murder happening. Uh, right before our eyes on AEW Dynamite. Then Matt Hardy emerged from the back, having witnessed Vanguard 1's destruction, and the inner circle retreated, and Matt was inconsolable, clutching the pieces of his drone. Now, we're probably either going to see Son of Vanguard or Vanguard 2 uh, come back very shortly. The main event saw Christopher Daniels, the Fallen Angel, accompanied by SCU members Scorpio Sky and Frankie Gazarian, taking on the Exalted One, Brody Lee. And Brody had Ten and other members of the Dark Order by his side. This proved to be one of Daniels' uh, best matches since uh, joining AEW, at least in the eyes of Jim Ross. But Daniels then jumped off the top rope and Lee ended up countering with a powerbomb and he followed up with his discus lariat lariat for a pinfall victory over christopher daniels lee then got his minions into the ring and was holding the AEW world championship moxley then came out and stormed the ring 
Brody Lee and Ten ended up running away, but the rest of the minions ended up getting beat up by Moxley. Um, Brody and Ten still have the belt in their uh, possession, and Moxley warned them to not uh, suffer disrespect. Um, and that he's going to go after Brody Lee on May 23rd at Double or Nothing. And that's how AEW ended this week. Welcome back to the show. Um, normally, people know that I do the uh, view of the Ontario scene and what's going on and what to expect with the calendar. And no, also for the last while, we haven't been able to do that because of the COVID-19 situation. Now, because of that, we've always been skipping and just going into Impact Wrestling, AEW, and WWE. However, this week, um, a very interesting video happened from Lufisto, and it really showed what unsavory side of things are in the industry and it's unfortunate that this came to light and yeah uh it's a little hard to explain in full but i'm going to pull up a uh audio of what happened this week when lufisto ended up making a announcement my name is genevieve Lulay, and i've been working as lufisto for the past 25 years I am a very proud professional wrestler. I've always defended women's right in professional wrestling, and I will do so until I die. I don't know if you guys are aware, but lately, CCW, Combat Zone Wrestling, has been promoting us as softcore porn actresses. I am a professional wrestler. I am not a catfighter. I'm not a sweaty girl getting involved in dirty fights. And although, yes, I am top-heavy and a very proud bottom-heavy girl, nothing gives them the right to promote me as such. That's not what I signed up for. I am a professional athlete, and I should be treated as such. So are my colleagues. When I did contact CCW about the issue, I was told that the footage was sold to a third party that wanted to promote us as such. And that CCW couldn't do anything about it. Apparently they tried, which I think is total bullshit. When I mentioned to them that it was already very hard for us to deal with the creepy messages we get, the dick pics, um borderline like harassment that we get daily from people who think that professional women wrestlers are actually um, porn stars or that are available for sexual favors they just brushed it off saying ah guys get that too well the fact that a promotion we put our trust in is actually promoting us as such is not helping you are part of the problem We've been trying so hard for so many years to be taken seriously. There was such an evolution when it comes to women wrestling. And you, by doing that, by allowing that and doing nothing, 
Because I will, you have to remember, your name is on the brand. So don't give me a bullshit answer that you can't do nothing about this and that you tried. If you really cared about the women athletes who broke their back and bled for you, you would actually try a little bit harder. It's not bad enough that some of our matches end up on porn site without a consent. Now somebody we trusted with her name, images, and hope that they're going to promote good women. Professional wrestling is doing that. Is disrespectful and disgraceful. What's really sad about all this is that Combat Zone Wrestling is where I grew up as a competitor and where intergender wrestling was taken seriously. This is where I've been the first woman to enter the cage of death. It's also where I've won the CCW Iron Man Championship, the only woman who ever held CCW gold. What happened? Today, completely different? Looks like the John Zandig days are long gone. I'm very sorry I had to come up to this. But obviously my messages didn't do anything, so hopefully this video will wake up someone. To all the women wrestlers working for WSU or CCW, just be aware that they don't give a shit about you as a professional athlete as long as they can sell your ass and your tits. Just be aware of that. It's very disappointing. Hopefully this message changes things. Or not. Oh well. Thank you. So there is basically what is going on. Um, kind of crazy. Not sure what CZW plans to do in response. You've heard what she said. Uh, was the response uh, given to her. If they don't decide to go any further and change things, I'm already not too keen on wanting to support CZW either way. They definitely abuse the trust that the ladies have been put into uh, when they uh, sign to do matches with them, to... But to find out that they're being sold off as basically porn to, for lack of better terms, guys who get off on that and want to think that that's appropriate, that's very disrespectful of the ones who purchase it, but also definitely the ones who sell it, especially against these women's knowledge. Hopefully more women step forward other than Lufisto and this becomes a bigger situation where it gets rectified and does get pulled somehow. Um, if not, I would encourage people not to support CCW in the current status that it is in unless things change. I fully endorse Lufisto with her willingness and readiness to step up and want to stop this and i totally encourage any other lady 
who has been treated like this as well to join Lefisto and get some justice for yourself for the other women who have been exploited on a, another note um a little bit sad still um there, you want to check out steven's wrestling journey over on facebook steven is a little guy eight years old he has a lot of medical problems and he has a lot of surgeries to go through he is a huge wrestling fan and he's been at a few shows that I've attended, including Impact Wrestling, when he was involved with Joe Hendry and Tyson Dukes. The last event I went to for Smash Wrestling in Toronto at the uh, Rec Room in February, I was actually a couple seats down from uh, Steven, and that little guy knows his wrestling. He knows how to trash talk really well with the uh, talent and his mom is just requesting people to check out Stephen's wrestling journey. Send Stephen a message prior to his next doctor's appointment, which also could involve a surgery. And she's going to put together a compilated video of people sending messages of love and encouragement to little Stephen. So once again, check out Stephen's wrestling journey and send a little guy a video. Brighten up his day and feel good about yourself and where where your message is going to. Plus, also check out Hybrid Championship Wrestling. Right now, they're doing a auction on a few items, uh, and money for that is going to Sick Kids Fundraiser, and Steven's part of that as well. So help out any way you can. Hybrid Championship Wrestling. You could end up winning some merchandise, some autographed photos, an experience of being a ring announcer, an experience of being calling a match with commentary, or even going out on a lunch date with Kyle Boone and Shiloh. There's a bunch of other prizes uh, to be looked into, but Hybrid Championship Wrestling, check it out, support the Sick Kids Fund, and uh, do a good deed. This episode of Scumbags Wrestling is dedicated to the memory of Vanguard One. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night.
understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. up everybody it is ocho from the ocho and ortiz wrestling podcast home to the best kept secret in the wrestling podcasting community our live podcast from greek town wrestling and union wrestling we also discuss a lot of other things wwe aew every once in a while we throw in new japan and roh be sure you're checking out our show. We are available on most major podcasts and platforms, especially on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our main source of uploading is Podbean, ochoandortiz.podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media, at Ocho Wrestling on Twitter, at Ocho and Ortiz on Instagram, or facebook.com slash ochoandortiz. We also do have a YouTube page, so be sure you're checking out our content there. Just search for Ocho and Ortiz in the search bar. Now, let's get you back to your regular programming. This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. If you're looking for a great independent wrestling happening in our province of Ontario, Look no further than Ontario Indie Road Trip. It's available on Facebook and YouTube, and we run down all the great events happening in this province. Whether you get in a car, bus, or train, there's a show near you. Support independent wrestling and the Ontario Indie Road Trip. See the stars of tomorrow being built today at the Tyson Dukes Russell Factory each week on the production line. Available on Facebook and YouTube. 